Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Looking just so glad that you decided to join with us today, this Christmas service. For the Christian, every Sunday special. Amen. For the Christian, I hate to say every day is Christmas, but every day is special because we know this every day God gives us is a gift. And to share it with him, to share it with those around us, to share this good news of Jesus, that he was not just a baby, but he's also grew up, grew up as a man, became the Savior of the world, died on a cross, was raised from the dead. And you and I received the blessings of knowing him and one day getting to go to this wonderful place called heaven. If you believe that today, say amen. If I can uh, ask you this morning just to t- open your Bibles for just a minute, I invite you to come back tonight for our kids' Christmas play. There's a difference between a spectator and a participator. If you've ever been to a football game or a, some kind of game, you know that there are those who spectate and that there are those who participate. Now, church is not a spectator sport. Church is a participator sport. That would be a great place to say amen. I thought I'd get a little bit better than that. But I want you to know this is a participation. So I encourage you to take notes. I'm so thankful that when the sermon was preached, somebody took the time to write it down. I really do. So I encourage you. Take this. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. When you hear the Word of God, write something down. And maybe when you go back, it'll speak to you even more. So I encourage you to take take notes today because I want to talk to you just a moment about committing everything to Jesus. Committing everything to Jesus. To Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to gather together. Such a privilege to come here and, and know that you're here, sense your presence. Such a privilege to gather together and pray, seek your face. Such a privilege to open up the pages of the Bible and just be helped in our times of need. Father, today we're a needy people. We'll be the first one to, to, um, to ask and, and, and know that you can help us by the Word of God. And I pray for those that today that our hearts will be ready to receive. Our minds will be attentive, and Lord, we'll just receive what you have for us today from your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I hope not to bore you for this first few minutes of, uh, of our time together, but I want to talk to you about, first of all, the synoptic gospel. The synoptic gospel it may not mean much to you, but the synoptic gospel is the first three gospels of the New Testament. There are Four Gospels in the New Testament, and all you JBQers know they are Matthew, Mark, Luke. Okay, all the JBQers are over in the kids' church right now. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Synoptic Gospels are the first three. The reason they're called the Synoptic Gospels because they kind of mirror each other. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they kind of tell have the same events. They kind of have some of the same stories in them, and they're really a mirror of one another. The last Gospel, the book of John, was written about 30 years later. And it really is not a mirror of the first three. It's kind of a complement to the first three. So it helps us to know that for those that think that the the Bible doesn't prove itself, that that just proved that the Bible's not really accurate, it does the opposite. Because if you read a story or if you hear see a picture, when you look at that picture from different angles, it really gives you the full picture of what was being painted, doesn't it? And the gospel does that very thing. It says the same thing in different ways from different angles, and it helps us to know the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's good news today. For example, the baptism of John, where Jesus was baptized in the water, 
came out of the water, that's in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You won't find that story in the, in the gospel of John. The Christmas story, the one that we, uh, we herald so deep, dear this time of year, is found in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. It's not found in the book of Mark and John. So what it does is it helps us to understand that there are different events and different stories in each one of the Gospels to tell the whole story of Jesus. Are you still with me? There's only four stories and three predictions that are in all four of the Gospels. Isn't that interesting? Of all the stories that are told, there's only a handful that are found in every single one of the Gospels. Let me give you some examples. The baptism, of course, by John is in, the, is in the first three. The triumphal entry where Jesus comes into Jerusalem, that's found in all four of the Gospels. The garden in Gethsemane where Jesus prays the prayer, but the night he was betrayed, that's in all four of the Gospels. Peter's denial of Jesus, that's in all four of the Gospels. And my question was, why would God put that one in there? Why would he put all four of the, of the times in the Gospels that Jesus denied Christ, why would he do that in all four of them? Is he like trying to rub Peter's nose in it? Is he like trying to let the whole world know that Peter messed up? The question is, is why did God do that? And I guess the answer might be good for me and for you today because that tells me and you that no matter how far you've fallen away from God, he'll always take you back. Did y'all hear that? See, the thing is to understand Peter is to understand he was God's right-hand, Jesus' right-hand man, wasn't he? I mean, he was the guy that, he was the boldest, he was the brashest, he was the one that stepped out on the boat when everybody else was hiding in the boat. He was the one that walked on the water. He was the one that got the revelation that Jesus really was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was Peter. And Peter was just grown to the heights. He was the next one in line to follow Jesus. And how many know this, that when Peter denied that little girl, when denied he even knew Jesus, he fell from a very high pedestal, didn't he? And how many of us have done the same thing? Throughout the ages of time, how many people have fallen and, and said they would never do the things they did, but they did them anyway, and they've fallen, but they didn't fall so far that God couldn't reach his hand and pick them back up and place them back where they needed to be. So we see that's in every four of the Gospels. Now, let me give you another factoid. There's only one teaching in all four of the Gospels. Isn't that interesting? Of all the things that Jesus talks about, there's only one teaching that he gives. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in all four books. It's on four separate occasions. He says the exact same thing on four separate occasions. He says it six different times, twice in Matthew, once in Mark, once in Luke, twice in John. Now, it's recorded there in Matthew 10, Mark 8, Luke, and, and John. You can see those are the places it's all recorded in the Bible. Matthew 10, 39 is his third tour of Galilee. Mark chapter 8 is his first visit to Caesarea. It says this exact same teaching. Luke chapter 17, that's the final journey when he went to Jerusalem. It's the exact same teaching. John chapter 12, verse 25 is in the final week. It's the exact same teaching. On four different times, Jesus says the exact same thing to teach people about him. Would anybody be interested in knowing what that is? It's probably pretty important, isn't it? If it's the one thing of all the Gospels that he teaches in every single one of them, and I'm going to give that to you today. Amen? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Okay, you ready? You got your pens out? Got your notes on? You ready? And I'm going to say it in my, my, in my own version, okay? I'm going to say it because we're, we're going to go through it, but I'm going to just tell you how I, how I see it. 
If you find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll find it. Doesn't that sound like a riddle? If you find your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life, you'll find it. Let me say it another way. Love your life and lose, hate your life and win. Or our title of today's sermons is Give and Live or Hold and Fold. It seems that he had some, he had a reason he had to record it six different times because he's trying to get a truth to me and you. And that truth, if there's something about, if you really want to find life in this world, if you want to live life to the fullest, you got to give it away to Jesus. But if you hold on to your life, if you hold on to your stuff, if you try to make it about you, then all of a sudden he says this, you'll lose it. It's like an oxymoron, it seems like. But the truth of the matter is, if I can go through the scriptures on the screen, Matthew 10, he says it like this. He that finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Did you see that? Give, give, live, live, live. But go on to Matthew, Mark. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Let's keep on going. How about Luke? He says, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. John says the same thing, but just in a little bit different way. But do you understand what he's saying? He's saying it's a life verse. How many know what a life verse is? Jesus just gave us from the, from the pages of the Bible a life verse that stands out more than any other for me and you to know. A life verse is that thing that you put up on your, on your window in your bathroom or you put up on your refrigerator. It's that one that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's that life verse that says, all things work together for good to those who love God who's been called according to his purpose. That's a life verse. Jesus gave us, I believe, his life verse. If you understand it, you understand that it can apply to every single area of life. You can apply this to marriage. You can apply this to give yourself in, in the area of parenting, in, in your career, in your church life. Giving yourself up for somebody else, and that somebody is not just a man, but it's the man, the man, Jesus Christ. There's a lady by the name of Holda Buntain. In the Assemblies of God, she's probably the closest thing we have as a celebrity. She's a missionary um, I'll tell you her story. When she was a young lady, she'd gotten married, had some small children. Her and her husband were missionaries to a place called India in some of the poorest slums of the world called Calcutta, India. And they began their ministry there. They began to build churches and build orphanages. They began to build hospitals. And just kind of in the very beginning of their ministry, Mark, her husband, died. And so Holda, left with two small little girls, had to make a decision. Was she going to go back to the United States, find her place there? Or she was, was she going to stay in the slums of India and continue the ministry that she and her husband had started? She had to make a decision. And the decision she made is our scripture today. Because today, Holda Buntain, after years and years of staying in India in her 80s, is still walking through the slums of Calcutta even today trying to find a place where she can feed a child, where she can take care of an orphan, where she can put people and find a way to pay for people to have health care, all because she decided that if she was really going to live life, she had to give it away to Jesus before she could ever take it back. Something powerful about this life verse. Let me just tell you what else it says. For you and me, here's what it says. I no longer know where my life is or where it's going because I gave it away. My goals, they're not mine. My friends, 
are not my own. My time is not my own. If I attend church, it's not my decision. Where I attend church, it's not my decision. My legacy, what people will say about me, it's not my own. What people think of me, I don't care. How I spend my money, it's not my own. What I'm saying is it's all been given away, all that's been given away to a person called Jesus Christ. That's living life. That's getting everything that you need out of life. There was a song, a country song a while back. It was called Live Like You Are Dying. Now, I want to, let me just, the idea is kind of the same thing, but here's what the song said. It says that a guy lived like he was dying, so what he did is he went skydiving. He went Rocky Mountain, y'all know this song, good. Rocky Mountain climbing. He did the dumbest thing in the world, and then he rode on a bull. Okay, <laughs> there's good news today. Because to live like you're dying this way is not where you have to ride a bull named Fu Manchu. <laughs> to give your life to this person named Jesus. I like how Galatians says it in verse chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this world, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved, him, who loved me and gave himself for me. Since he gave his life for me, the most natural thing that I could ever do is to give my life to him. So right now, as I've gotten into this, maybe some of you are saying these words right here. There ain't no way. There ain't no way I'm going to give my life to Jesus. There's no way I want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher. I want to have grandkids that call me Big Daddy. I want to be married. I want to be single. I'm not giving those things up. I've got my aspirations. I want to live life to the fullest. Some of you control freaks may say it like this. I cannot give up control to Jesus. But let me take you back to what he said. If you really want to live life, I mean, if you want to step out on the wild side, if you want to step out over the boat into the unknown, Give everything that you have to him. Because he said this, if you hold on to what you got, he said you're going to lose. But if you give your whole life, everything to Jesus, that's when you, be start, you start getting on the winning side. Whosoever shall lose his life, he's the one that's going to preserve it. Are you still with me? Say amen. Now, from the beginning, beginning of time in the book of Genesis, man was designed to be dependent on God. When Adam and Eve fell, all of a sudden they became independent of God. They had to go their own way. They had to do their own thing. And, and what happens is God's been trying to get everybody in humanity back to where they're dependent upon him. And that came through this man named Jesus Christ. And so when a person becomes back to Jesus, it's not that just he gets a ticket and punches his ticket to heaven. All of a sudden he becomes dependent on Jesus for everything in his life. And Jesus says that's the way to win in this thing called life. People send you all types of Facebook messages about how to win in life. Coaches can give you strategies about how to win in life. A host of things that you can do. Bankers and Wall Street people can tell you how to win in life. But Jesus says if you want to win in life, give it all away from me, and then you'll find true life. See, because we get that. We understand that. You take your life, you give it to Jesus, and, and he, you get to go to heaven. But this is a message really meant for church people, 
Because all of Jesus' teachings, every one of those things we talked about, they were all written or spoken to God's people, the people of, of, of Israel at that particular day, but they were all God's people. So Jesus didn't say this, just punch the card and live your life how you want to. Jesus says punch the card and then live your life how I want you to live. That's the source, and that's the secret of living. So church folks, this is for us. Say amen. Church folks, this is for us. Say amen. Now, this can be preached to preachers as well, as ministers as well, as teachers as well. Maybe you don't have the biggest church, but you've got the smallest church in town. Maybe you don't see much fruit. Maybe you're plowing for the guy that's going to come after you. Maybe you're the guy or girl that uprooted your family. You moved around the world just to reach that one person. One person. God made you uproot all of your life for that one person. Maybe you're in a ministry and you had a preconceived idea how it's going to be and it hadn't turned out that way. Maybe living this life verse may mean get a trophy over there. Don't mean, it doesn't mean you don't try your best. It just means you leave the results up to God. It doesn't matter what it says is, look, you've got to leave your results up to God. You just give your life to him in every area of life. And I found out this too. It's not just something you do once and done. It's not something you just say, okay, God, I'll give you my life. Over and over, God will say, hey, by the way, will you still give me your life? I want you to do this. Hey, by the way, you remember that time you told me you would give your, give, give your life to me and you'd do anything? I want you to go over there. Times throughout history, I can just tell you times throughout my life over and over, God has reminded me, you really promised me that you would give your life. Will you still do it? Yes, Lord, I'll do it. Okay, then I need you to go over there and talk to that person over there. There's a couple people I'd like to make, a couple names I'd like you to run by you. Maybe names that are familiar to you. Maybe names that are not very familiar to you. How many of you have ever heard the name of Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. Taught a Sunday school class of, of teenage boys. I, I, I identify with Edward Kimball. The first Sunday school class I ever taught was uh, teen, uh, 12-year-old boys. His desire was that every one of the students in his class would know Christ by the time they left his class. He even went out during the, in the community during the week to find his boys to try to build a relationship with them. And one of them was a, was a clerk at a store, and so he went to that particular store and talked to that young man. That young man gave his, his life to Christ. That young man's name was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody became an evangelist, a very world-renowned evangelist. He was preaching in England one time, and there was a small-town pastor who went, to hear him, who went to hear him speak. And the small-town pastor got excitement, enthusiasm about evangelism, and there was a college in his town. So he decided this little small-town pastor, his name was Frederick Meyer, he began to go into that small that, that, uh, college began to share his faith. And he got a man there who, who, who he reached, who he won to the Lord. His name was Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman was, got excited about God, about evangelism. So what he, Wilbur Chapman did is there was a local YMCA, and he went and got involved in that YMCA. And he thought, you know what, we could get a speaker here, maybe get other people to come, and they'll know Jesus as well. So he went and found an ex-major league baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday came and preached a, a crusade, a revival in that particular town. People began to be get touched by God. And there were some businessmen from Charlotte, North Carolina. They were in that particular meeting, and they thought, we can do the exact same thing in our town. So what they did is there was a man that got one to the Lord in that Billy Sunday uh, meeting called Mordecai Ham. 
And he's the exact same evangelist that the businessmen in Charlotte, North Carolina decided to use to preach a revival to see if they could get some people to come to Jesus. And there was one young man in that particular meeting who came to Christ, and his name was Billy Graham. And Billy Graham preached the gospel more to any other people in the history of the world. Over 2 billion people heard the name of Jesus, heard the gospel of Jesus through the mouth of Billy Graham. All because somebody decided to give everything to him. Now, you may not be the Billy Graham. You may be the Billy Graham. We may have the next Billy Graham sitting in this service today. You may be the next Mordecai Ham. You may just be Wilbur Chapman. You may be the Edward, Kil- the Edward Kimball. You may be, maybe even the, be the wife of Frederick Meyer. I don't know how it looks for you, but I know this, that Jesus is exactly right. If you really want to save your life, you've got to give it away to Jesus. But if you hold on to your life and you hold on to your goals and your dreams, he said you'll lose it every single time. It's a life verse. You say, what does this have to do with Christmas, Pastor Kerry? It's got everything to do with, with Christmas. Because my friend Jesus is, is, is a God that didn't just come to die, just come as a little baby and, and have a nice story that we could tell at Christmas time. He didn't come just to, be a, just to be somebody that we have a cross that we hang on the wall or around our neck. He came somebody that we could live our lives for and live life to the fullest. I, um, I'm so thankful because uh, it's not just something that Jesus talked about. This, this verse here isn't just something that Jesus, you know, just kind of said because it sounded pretty good. It's something he lived as well. Amen? In two of the places in the Gospels where it's written, this particular verse, I'm going to give you the context if you don't mind. He had uh, just reprimanded Peter. He told Peter, he said, uh, Peter, Jesus had begun to tell the disciples he was going to die. And so Peter pulled him aside and said, look, Jesus, uh, that's not going to happen. This thing is really kicking now. You know, you're getting known around Israel. We we, we got meetings scheduled. We got you booked up. We got your newsletters is coming out. We could probably start going outside of Israel. I mean, we just keep this thing going. There's no telling where it'll end up. And Jesus stops him. He says, wait a minute. He says, that's not why I came. I didn't came to live life, to hold on to it. I came to give my life. And can I tell you, friend, I'm thankful to God today that Jesus decided to give his life away. You, if, you're, if you name the name of Jesus today, you should be thankful that Jesus not only talked the talk, but he walked the walk as well. You should thank God that Jesus decided, I came into this world not to get, not to gain. I came in this life to give to God, and I'm thankful for it. See, the reason I'm thankful for it, because there's something I'm petrified. It's just time to really talk now, because i got to come down here. There's, there's something I'm petrified, horrified about, and I wanted to come and just tell it to you today. That'd be all right? Something that just makes me afraid of of. I'm afraid of more than anything in this world. I'm not afraid of many things, but the thing that I'm afraid of more than anything is sin. Terrified of it. See, because the thing is, there's people that I know and people that I love. And I've watched sin attack their lives and destroy it. Oh, I've been living for 50, you know, young years, and and I've seen sin destroy my own life. And the thing is, is if if you'll play this, in Galatians chapter 5, it tells us things called works of the flesh. 
And there's a list there. If it'll pull it up, there's works of the flesh. And, and the Bible gives us different works of the flesh, but they're different sins. And, and I've watched it. If you, if, you live, if you label those things and list those things, there's different, there's a different things that happen as, we, as people get involved in those sins. Galatians chapter 5, first of all, says these are the works of the flesh. He says sexual immorality. It's destroyed so many people's lives. Pornography that, that, that comes and, and men and women watch destroys their lives. Adultery that's caused families to bust up, caused people to be destroyed. Can I tell you this? Sexual sin has done more damage. There's people today that don't even know what bathroom to go into because of sexual sin. It's done more damage than, than, than maybe anything else. And, and can I tell you this? I'm so petrified of it because I know the, the devastation it can do. It goes on, it goes sexual sin. I'm getting there. Galatians chapter 5. It tells us also this, that if we live in the Spirit, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, Christian people who love God get involved in cultic activities. And I've seen it destroy their life. I've seen people involved in witchcraft, trying to find God in their, in their life, trying to find power in their life, and, and they pay a heavy price because of it. I've seen hatred and discord and jealousy. Seen brothers and be, 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 just break their mother's hearts because they're so jealous of one another. I've seen hatred turn families against one another. Fits of rage. I've seen husbands in fits of rage and heard of husbands in fits of rage. Hurt their wives, hurt their children. I heard why moms in fits of rage hurts their children. Selfish ambition. Seen people go to prison by taking people's money and defrauding people of money. Dissensions and factions, seen churches destroyed because people divide and, and divide one among themselves. Drunkenness, how many people, how many young boys and girls have lost a mama or a daddy at the hands of somebody that drove drunk? Orgies, I've never seen that, but I can just imagine it's probably not very good. Do you understand the power of sin? I mean, do you understand, look at your own life and, and realize that the problems that you faced have been a cause, the root cause has been sin. And I'm afraid of it because I know the temptations of sin. I know that it can, it can overcome good people. It can overcome godly people. It's a horrible plague. The, the worst pandemic in the world is not the one we face today. It's the pandemic of sin. And there's only one remedy. There's only one answer for the plague of sin. His name is Jesus. And do you ever wonder why we as believers, we cling so close to the cross of Christ? Do you understand why we cling so close to, to Jesus Christ? Why he's our, we wave him like a banner, why the cross of Christ is the greatest event that ever took place. It's because it's the only thing that defeated the power of sin. And if it's the only thing that defeats the power of sin, then I'm going to stay close to the cross. I'm going to stay close to Jesus because I know the power and the effect of sin. 1 Corinthians, the preaching of the cross is to them who are perishing foolishness, but to you and I are being saved. It's the power of Almighty God to overcome sin. Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because Jesus gave His life away, I have a power and a strength over sin that destroys because Jesus gave his life away. I have joy in my heart this Christmas day, this Christmas season. Because Jesus gave his life, I have a place in heaven reserved with my name on it. All because he just, he just lived by his life verse. If I give my life away, I'll find it. But if I hold on to it, I'll lose it. Father, today in the name of Jesus, 
we've come to you right now, and we've found just a, a nugget of truth. And that nugget of truth is calling to each one of us today. It's telling us to give me your life. Give me your life. Give me your life. Give me your life. And I pray today by the Holy Spirit that every person will make that decision in their heart today. Once again, maybe some for the first time, maybe some for the millionth time. But I pray every person will make that decision again. God, I commit to you my everything. I give everything to Jesus. I give you thanks for that and I praise in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a difference between a good sermon and a great sermon. Good sermon is y'all walk out of here and go, whoa, that was really that was pretty good. I don't preach her. He hit the, rang the bell today. That's a pretty good sermon. But a great sermon is one where somebody responds to the Word of God. Today I'm asking you to make this a great sermon. I don't know where you are with your walk with God. Maybe you know who Jesus is. Maybe you know what you know, little monocle and what this is about. But today the question posed to you is will you give your life to him? Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a missionary. And I ask you the same question. Will you trust him with everything? Will you trust him with finances? Will you trust him with your future? Will you trust him with results? Will you trust him with every part of your life? Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you're, a, you're just a, maybe a mother who loves your kids. Will you give everything, even your children, to Jesus? Commit their lives to him. No matter what he has for them, you just say, God, whatever you want for my kids, it's what I want. And I don't know exactly what you want today, but I know this. There's a place where you can go and make that commitment to God, and that's just right up here. Nothing special about this area, but what's special is you get the opportunity to make that decision. Listen, I'm the first one here. I don't know how much time we got left in this life or how much time I got, how many more breaths I got in my body, but I'm just determined that every breath I live is going to be for him. Whatever he has for me, that's what I'm going to do. And today we're going to make that decision together. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And then I'm just going to ask you to come. No matter where you are in your walk with God, brand new, seasoned, somewhere in between, I'm going to ask you to make that decision for him. Father, again, in the name of Jesus, as we just prepare to gather around an altar, I pray today in Jesus' name that this will become our life verse. To give to you is to live. To hold on is to fold. I pray every person will make this decision today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.